Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We're starting our series called The Games People Play. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. As mentioned earlier, we're in Family Gathers Month and a lot of changes in, during this month. And uh, one, of the, one of the blessings of Family Gathers is we all get to be together. Kids are with us uh, during this month and a lot of unique features to that. And uh, one of the things the kids look forward to, maybe, maybe they even, I don't know, maybe adults look forward to this more than the kids do, but we do fruit snacks. So ushers, would you come forward this time and, uh, and serve us the fruit snacks? Kids get to do this all year long. And so they're with us. So it's just sort of the blessings pour out on us as a basket comes down your row. What we always say around here, this is the one month you get to, you get to take something out of the offering basket. Uh, so help yourself and enjoy some fruit snacks. Take your, uh, take your trash with you if you would. That'd be awesome. Um, but uh, that's one of the unique features of, of Family Gathers. And by the way, I'm wearing this uh, orange, brightly orange colored shirt for a reason. Um, and that's because we have, uh, we have a lot of volunteers around here at Sam Alliance. And, and we have volunteers who serve in our connecting ministries. And they're going to be wearing these orange shirts uh, as a way to help you understand of who do I talk to when I, when I need to find my way. Maybe you're looking for a classroom. Maybe you're looking where I pick up my kids or where's the restroom. Or you just need someone to point someplace out around here. Uh, if you see someone wearing one of these bright orange shirts, uh, the reason that they're, they're, they're servants or volunteers with our connecting ministries and they'd love to help you in any way that, uh, that they can uh, as you are around our campus and trying to find your way. So I uh, just want you to know that that is the reason for the orange shirt and uh, just take up our volunteers on their offer to serve you. We're in this month of Family Gathers. We're doing a new series called The Games That People Play. Uh, There's something about a game that sort of brings out the best and the worst in us. Uh, You know, with the games, some of you grew up playing card games, Crazy Eights, maybe you played Rook, maybe you played Go Fish, um, table games like Sorry, or uh, or maybe you uh, have great stamina and you like to play the table game Risk or Monopoly. Um, now games have moved from tabletops to screens. Uh, you, there's Angry Birds was a popular game for a while, Clash of Clans. Some people play it during church. They think I don't notice uh, as they're playing on their iPads. Uh, and uh, so we, we just like games. And as I mentioned, they, it can bring the best out of us. I mean, we can, our strategy is apparent. Our decision-making can be, uh, can be seen. Our teamwork, uh, that, that stuff that can be seen as positive. Uh, sometimes the worst comes out in shapes like uh, just our competitive spirit. Um, I was playing a game with with someone recently, and they said that when it comes to playing game with family and friends, relationships are off. This is not about friendship. This is not about marriage. This is about winning and dominating. Uh, And that's one way people play the game. Uh, and, and so some people play the game to build community. Some people play the game just to win. Uh, and games, they just say something about us. And each week in the month of August, uh, we're going to be looking at a game and sort of a, a principle or topic that it raises uh, about how we do life, uh, the similarities in how we do life. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the game uh, called Jenga. Now, if you were here early in the service, you saw some kids playing Jenga up here on the platform. But let me just explain the game to you. I'll put a, put a picture here. This is uh, what the game of, of Jenga looks like as you begin. It's 18 stories tall, and each story is made up of three blocks. 
And the purpose of the game is you, what you do is you take one of the blocks, as you'll see in this next picture here, you grab one of the blocks and you pull it out and keeping the tower standing and you put it on top of the tower and you're just building higher and farther. And uh, this is uh, someone who's played the game here recently. That, uh, I think it's 32 stories that that, uh, that that game is, that's how far it's gotten here on this, in this picture. Um, the, actually, the world record for Jenga is 40 stories tall um, is, is how far, and then two blocks into the 41st story before what happens next year, as you see in the picture, the whole tower comes crashing down. It comes crashing down because you know the foundation sort of thing had been weakened, and you pull these blocks out, and balance becomes an issue. Now, kids, uh, how many kids have played Jenga before? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of kids you played Jenga before, so you know this. Now, here's what happens: when adults see games like this, they just sort of want to raise the bar a little bit. Kids, they want to just take this to another level. So, uh, so for the kids and you know, for the adults too, here's a video of what happens when guys who have construction uh, kind of experience, backhoes, track hose, forklifts, this is how they take the game of Jenga to the next level. Enjoy this video. recommend playing Jenga that way. I hate to be the guy in the bottom directing, uh, directing all the traffic there. Uh, there's just something about uh, Jenga. Obviously, the higher you go, the taller you go, the, you know, the balance is, is questionable. And really, that's, that's a, lot of the, a lot of people live like this. Balance becomes an issue. We in life want to go farther. We want to go higher. We want to build taller. And, um, and as we do that, what ends up happening is, you know, with life begins to teeter a little bit. Uh, life begins to totter a little bit, and, um, and, and, and we come crashing down. Consider the story of Sonny Moran. Uh, There's an article in a in London newspaper. It says, when her alarm went off at 6 a.m. every morning, Sonny Moran's first thought was how she was going to juggle the many deadlines that loomed ahead of her. She would check the text messages on her phone, drag herself out of bed, dash for the train, and then try to make herself presentable during the 90-minute commute to her desk at a London public relations firm. Then one morning, Sonny could take no more. After six years of round-the-clock working, during which she had neglected her health, diet, and relationships, 
Her spirit was crushed. I woke up and opened my eyes, but instead of panicking about how I was going to cope, I felt as if my head was glued to the pillow. I felt numb as if I'd gone into autopilot, says Sonny, who's 31 years old. I'd been surviving in a sink or swim atmosphere in the office and working every night until 10 p.m., but it had finally caught up with me. In previous weeks, I'd suffered severe anxiety and was having trouble concentrating. Lunch breaks were frowned on at work, so I lived on wine, chips, and pasta when I got home. As a result, my, my weight had ballooned from 126 pounds to 168 pounds. I always prided myself on being able to handle stress, but that day, something snapped inside of me. For the first time, I switched off my phone so no one could get a hold of me. Sunny walked into work at 11 a.m. that day wearing clothes she picked up off her bedroom floor and without a scrap of makeup on. She went straight into her boss's office to tell him she was leaving immediately. He didn't argue with my decision, and I didn't cry as I spoke to him. The tears came later, but my boss could tell from the blank look on my face that I was broken, she says. Sonny's meltdown is by no means uh, unique. Um, here's what happens is, you know, we, we, we all have resources in life. Time is a resource. We all have 24 hours a day. Uh, we've got resources in regards to finances. Uh, we, we've got resources in regards to even just our, our, our friendships and how we can navigate those friendships. Um, and if, if, as you're playing the game of Jenga, what you end up doing is, is this. Uh, you, you've got your resources, time, money, friendship, uh, sleep, whatever, whatever you want to call it, identify it, and then you've got your limits. And by the way, we have differing limits in life. You know, like for some of you, you're extroverts. Um, that's a resource for you. And your limit in how you spend time with other people can be really, really high. Um, you just can't get enough of people. Um, for others, uh, you're an introvert. And just being in this room is already stressing you out. Uh, you, you need time away from people. You need time to, just to re-energize. So you're, you're, maybe your limits are, are lower. Um, that'd be an example. But what happens is in this space here, that's our margin, uh, or as, as one author has put it, the breathing room that we have in life. Um, what happens is we play Jenga with our lives. What we do is we take our resources and we push them to the limits. Now, what this looks like with our finances is, is simply this. Um, you know, we've got so many dollars coming in the month every month, uh, coming into the house every month, and, um, and there's this pressure to sort of keep up with culture or keep up with friends. And so what happens is we have these limits financially. And you've only got so many dollars coming in every month, but what happens is we, we use our resources and we keep the, the gap, the breathing room on the margin is razor thin. And then what happens as we are, people market at us, uh, or as we see things that we feel like we've got to have, what happens is sometimes people will actually exceed their limits and, and, and go over them. They'll, they'll, they'll use resources they really don't have. And financially, what this looks like is debt. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we do a ministry called Financial Peace around this place. This was a pattern I had in my, in my life early on when, in, for Trina and I in, in our marriage early on. It caused a lot of stress and conflict. 
um, because I was spending more than, than the, you know, our financial limits. And so what, you, what financial peace does is it teaches you how to, to provide margin and breathing room. And, um, and so what happens though is when you play Jenga with your life, you, you exceed your limits, and what happens is you start teetering, you start tottering, and before long, life comes crashing down. Now, what I want to talk to us about this morning is simply um, what, what motivates us to do this? Why do we play Jenga with our lives? What is, uh, is it about us that, that causes us to live life at the limits, that actually causes us to trade our peace in for progress, or to trade our peace in for prosperity, or even to trade our peace in to, for being productive, for productivity? We will we'll lose rest, we'll lose peace in the pursuit of those things. What is it about us that causes us to do this? I want to talk to you about what that is, I, I think. And then what I also want to do is I want to just imagine if Jesus could just speak to us about this topic, about playing Jenga with our lives, about the fact that we will take the margin that we have in our lives and we'll, we'll just consume it and perhaps in many times we'll exceed the limits that, that we have for us and, and cause us to, to live in ways that is unsustainable, relationally, emotionally, uh, financially, to the point where it, life just comes crashing down, much like Sonny Moran and her experience in, in the workplace. What would Jesus say to us, for those of us who oftentimes play Jenga with our lives? Now, noted author and speaker Andy Stanley, he gets behind this whole idea of what's the biggest driver uh, behind our, our, our desire to play Jenga with our lives. Here's what he says. Here's, the, here's what it is. It's fear. Fear is the major motivator in causing us to live life beyond our limits, causing us to redline our lives in such a way that we actually lose life. I mean, here's the, here's the irony. We think that we're, we're accumulating more so life will be richer. We think that if we do this, life will be more meaningful. But what ends up happening when you live life with the limits, you actually lose life. And Stanley says that fear is the biggest driver. In fact, if I were to ask you, you know, you know, why don't you just work less and spend more time with your family? Your response might be, well, if I did that, then I'm afraid that if I did that, then, you know, dot, 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 fill in the blank. I'm afraid that if I, if I didn't work the hours, people at work would, would view me as someone who wasn't pulling my weight. Or if I, if I said to you, why don't you just tell that person no and, and stop saying yes to everything and, and build, some, build some boundaries for your life and, and your response might be, well, it, if I do that, if I say no, I'm afraid that my friends will, will perceive me this way. I mean, they, they you know, they, I, I just, I feel like I, I'll be letting them down or, you, you know, fill in the blank. I think fear is a huge motivator for us in playing Jenga with our lives. Uh, and here, just break this down even farther. It's a fear of missing out. You see, a friend calls you up and says a bunch of your friends are going out for dinner and then they're going to go see a movie. And, uh, and you, you know that you've got such little resources in your bank account, you don't have the cash to pull it off, and you know dinner is going to be around 10 bucks, maybe 15 bucks, depending on where you're going. 
And you know the movie, the ticket's going to cost $10.50. I mean, the price of movie tickets keeps creeping up, and pretty soon they're going to offer financing for movie tickets. Uh, you know, so, you, but, you know, by the, by the time the night is done, you know you're into it for about 25 bucks, 20 to $25. And, and you know you can't afford it. But there's something about, ah, if I don't go, I'm not going to be with my friends. I'm going to miss out on the conversation. And there's this fear of missing out. So you pull out Mr. Visa and you, and you, and you make the purchase. You, your resources exceed your financial limits. I think fear of missing out is one of the reasons why we play Jenga with our lives. Here's another one. It's fear of falling behind. This is a classic one for work. It's the fear that if I don't get this project done, then this will happen. If this doesn't take place, then I'm, I'm just going to fall behind and I'm just going to feel stressed all the time. So we put, in, we put in the extra hours. We feel like we're going to fall behind. Another one is this, a fear of not mattering. For some of us in the room, we tie accomplishment with our identity or with our, the value of who we are. We feel we're more valuable. We feel we matter more. We feel we're more significant when we are productive and we're checking boxes and accomplishing projects. And, and so it, it kind of contributes um, in a dysfunctional way to how we view significance. So I, I think, frankly, when you boil it all down and you ask the question, why do we play Jenga with our lives? This is it. It's fear. Fear of missing out fear of falling behind, fear of not mattering. And we could, we could probably build a Jenga tower here with the, the fears, the different fears that we have when it comes to this whole reason about why we play Jenga with our lives. So that, that's, that's why we do it. But what would Jesus, what would he say to us about this whole idea of playing Jenga with our lives, of living life at the limits? What would Jesus say to us about, about the whole idea of just thinking that if, if we just do more, accomplish more, or go higher and farther and taller, uh, what would he say to us about the deceptiveness of living the Jenga life? And I, there's two things I think he would say to us, and the first one is this. Uh, I think the first thing he'd say to us is relax and take a break. I think he would say, rest. Would you take a break? I know you know full well, uh, many of us know the full well, uh, the story of the Israelites uh, being enslaved in Egypt. There uh, have been countless movies about it, and if you, if you grew up in the church, you've heard the story. If you didn't grow up in church, and this is all new to you, um, no, no shame in not knowing the story. It's, it's these people, uh, God's people, who've been enslaved in, in, in Egypt for 400 years, and they're dealing with the brutal taskmasters seven days a week, enslaved, lives being lost. They're crying out to God for deliverance. God raises up a deliverer in Moses, and through dramatic events, there's deliverance, and now the people are in the wilderness, and they've been rescued. They've been emancipated by, uh, by, by a God they, they don't really know a whole lot about. So really, when you get into the wilderness, what you have is God, in, in many of the books in the, in the Old Testament, you have God talking to his people about how to relate to him. And, um, and, and kids, what, what, what God does is he kind of creates these top 10 commands or top 10 ways to relate to God. Uh, some of you maybe have memorized these. They're the 10 commandments. 
Um, and uh, so these top 10 ways of relating uh, to, to him. And, and one, of the thing God, one of the things God says to his people, here's one of my top 10 rules for you, is I want you to rest. I want you to take a break. I want you to Sabbath. Now, you see, they were in Egypt seven days a week, working hard all day, you know, dealing with the, the brutality of the taskmasters. And now they're relating to a God who's saying, I want one day a week to be set aside for just rest and reflection and for rejuvenation, for you just to, to have rest for your bodies and for, uh, for your souls. And this is one of God's top 10 rules. Now, I want to point out something interesting. There's 10 of these commandments. I just picked a few of them. Here's one I'll, I'll put up on the screen. Do not steal. It's pretty simple, right? I mean, it's so simple that you just need three words to explain it. Do not steal. Don't walk into Nordstrom's and shoplift. You know, don't, don't, take, don't take money from your dad's wallet. Uh, don't steal time. Uh, there's, it's very, very clear. Do not steal. Here's another one of God's top tens. You must not murder. Four words. Pretty clear, to the point. How about idolatry? What is, how, does, how many words does God use for uh, getting across the idea that, uh, that I don't want, you must not have any other God but me? Nine. Idolatry is a pretty big deal. I mean, it's a pretty significant trap that we get caught into. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Don't steal. Don't take someone's life. Don't murder. Idolatry is kind of complex, but you know, God puts it out there in nine words. Now, when it comes to this top 10 rule of taking a break or taking Sabbath, kids, I need your help here. How many words do you think God will use to tell people to take a break? Can you guess? You can shout them out. One. Any others? Three. Four. You're getting warmer. Five. Eight. We're counting now. Nine. Okay. Think big. Think big. Who said 127? Did you come to the 8 o'clock service? Here's how many. 126. 126 words. Now here's my question for you. Do you think God's trying to make a point? You must not steal. Okay? No other gods but me. A hundred, and most typical English trans, uh, translations and versions of the Bible, 126 words. Here they are. Put them up on the screen. 126 words saying, rest on the Sabbath day. What God is telling his people is you suffered in Egypt under brutal taskmasters. And when you choose not to rest, what you're saying is take me back. And let me just put this out for us. To the extent that we rest is the extent that we will not steal, we will not commit adultery, we will not murder, we will not lie, so on and so forth, all through, the, uh, all through the commandments. I believe to the extent that we obey the Sabbath command that God gave us will be the extent to which we can obey the other commandments that he give us, gives us. And, and yet even saying that, what, what happens is we have this idea that well, if I skip rest, I mean, it's not really a big deal. I mean, honestly, if I stood up here and I told you, hey, church, I mean, Jennifer Roth has been confessing things for weeks now, so I might as well get some things off my chest. 
And what if I came up here and I said to you, hey, I just want to confess that I've been stealing. In fact, let me just go a little further. You know, I've made some really poor choices and, um, and I've, I've cheated on my wife. Well, you'd be fairly stunned by that. And your hope would be is that we'd have elders, leaders here at Sam Alliance that would, would see, and they would, the disconnect between being a pastor and, and committing those kinds of sins. And they would probably come to me and say, hey, let's step out here for a bit and um, talk about where your life is headed. And, and they'd work a restoration plan and they'd work with me. But they, there's something about that that would, um, that would disqualify me from serving in the capacity that I serve. But if I were to get up here and I would tell you that I've worked 24 days without taking a break, some of you might think, well, that's nothing. I've gone 27. <laughs> Others of you would just go, wow, he's a, he's a hard worker. There's something about us that, that views the lack of taking Sabbath as sort of not really, that's not that really that big of a deal. But when you think about Israel's story, that's actually why they, that what led them to go into exile, is they refused to rest. So I think, I think Jesus would say to, to a people who are playing Jenga with their lives, who are all about going higher and taller and farther, and, and I think he would say, I want you to rest. I don't want you to rest when the project's done. I want you to rest in the middle of the project with enough faith to know that I'll multiply your work. See, some of us are already thinking, well, as long as I get right here and then I'll take a break. <laughs> it's just, it's a self-defeating lifestyle. God wants us to trust him and to take a break and rest. So I think it's the first thing that Jesus would say to us. Here's the second thing I think Jesus would say to us. I think he would say, relax and trust me. Relax and trust me. Now let me just, uh, I'm gonna read to you a passage that's maybe familiar to some, Matthew chapter six. Um, and uh, I wanna just, just read on this topic uh, Jesus speaking to people who are playing Jenga with their lives. They were, they were just consumed with the worry of what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, uh, kind of the, the daily needs of life um, that you and I, we can easily relate to. Matthew 6, verse 25 says this, I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? I'm going to just pick up this story, put the, the remaining verses up here on the screen. Jesus keeps going. He says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of pagans. But your heavenly Father knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Here's what Jesus is saying. Don't be fearful about what you're going to eat and what you do. Don't get caught up in the Jenga lifestyle. 
In fact, what Jesus said, these are the kind of things that dominates the thought of pagans. Now, pagans, they, pagans are not atheists, okay? Pagans believed in the gods. You know, the Romans believed in Zeus and Jupiter and Poseidon, and they had all their gods. They believed in the gods. They just didn't believe the gods cared about them. Their life was, was built around appeasing the gods. But listen to what Jesus says here. He says, your heavenly Father knows. Let that sink in. Your, your heavenly Father knows you need a new car. Your heavenly Father knows you're behind on those payments. Your heavenly Father knows the tension you're feeling between being at work and being at home. Your heavenly Father knows your desire for friends. He knows it all. And what Jesus is saying is, what he's saying here is relax and trust me. Don't try to strive. Don't just try to push things to the limit. Don't, 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 don't just try to build a, the Jenga tower so things come, come crashing down, pursuing all these things. Trust me. In fact, he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. And then it, he says, and I will give you everything you need. Just so you know, the translation does not say give it everything you want. All right, He knows your needs. He is a God who knows you and knows your needs. And I think Jesus would say to those of us who play Jenga with our lives, he would simply say, relax and trust me. And I would just, just also say that to the extent that we will trust God, or to the extent, rather, that we believe that he knows and cares for us, will be the extent to which we trust him. To the level that we believe he cares will be the level to which we trust him and we stop worrying and stop being filled with anxiety and we walk in faith knowing we have a God who knows our needs. Now, Sabbath and worry, here's, this may not be true for you, but it's true for me. I hear a message like that, and I go, okay, Sabbath, so I'm supposed to take a break, and I'm not supposed to worry, but what happens is I take a break, that gives me free time, and then I worry. <laughs> Isn't that the case? Okay, I'm going to take a day off. Well, I got all this free time now to be stressed out for the things that are, you know, that are, that are I, I'll just rather go back to work, keep my mind occupied. So, so how do we practically conquer that, that struggle? This may not work for you, but this is, this is, what, I, this is what I do. There's a verse in the scriptures that talks about you know, taking captive every thought. So what happens is when the anxious thought rises, right then, it's kind of like a cockroach, I sort of step on it. That's the image in my head. Just squash it. Because I, see, that road is a dead end. You, you can go down that road, it just doesn't accomplish anything. It's a dead end. So why would I spend my time going down that dead end? It's going to stress me out. I'm going to get tunnel vision. I'm going to lose perspective. So what I do is the moment the anxiety rises, the, the, the moment the worry is there, I just got to, not, I'm not having that conversation with myself. We're not going to worry. It's difficult. I'm, I'm, I'm not successful in every moment. But it's a practice. It's a discipline. Because to the level that I believe God cares will be to the level that I trust him. To the level that I can trust that God, that taking rest, actually God will multiply my work, 
is to the level that I will find you know, joy for my own soul and I will stop playing Jenga with my life. Here's one final question I'll put up on the screen for us as we wrap up. This is for you to sort of process on your own. Where in my life do I need some breathing room? Where in my life do I need to, to build in some margin? Where are you pushing the limits? Where are your resources perhaps even exceeding your limits? And what are you going to do about it? Maybe it's talking to someone. Maybe it's talking to God. Maybe it's just getting help. You know, we have a ministry that's been around this place for a long time called Life Path for people who are stuck in patterns just like this one. Where in my life do I need some breathing room? Let's pray about that even right now. Let's pray together. Lord, on the front end of a series, we just want to just declare our trust in you and thank you, Lord, for your grace and your gracious spirit towards us. We confess, Lord, oftentimes we push the limits and we pass the limits. I pray that faith would rise in our hearts and that we would, Lord, we'd seek you in ways that, well, that display trust and faith. We'd pursue you in ways that faith rises in our hearts and may we see you move on our behalf. May we see needs met. May we feel our spirits and our souls being refreshed and rejuvenated. Lord, would you just eradicate fear and replace it with faith. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.